Scholastic Audio presents Goosebumps Horrorland 2 Creep from the Deep by R.L. Stein, read by Jeff Woodman. Chapter 1 My name is William Deep Jr. I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I live for adventure. The people who think I'm a normal 12-year-old call me Billy, but the few who really know me call me by my secret name, the Undersea Mutant. For me, danger is like breakfast. I can't start my day without a healthy, balanced bowl of danger. Here I am in the middle of the ocean. Sure, it's dark and dangerous, but what do I call it? Home. I'm swimming off the island of Karibo, a tiny sand field in the Caribbean Sea. I peer straight ahead through my infrared snorkel mask, my laser-guided razor fins cut through the waves. I follow a school of silvery angelfish sparkling like diamonds in the sunlit waters. They don't seem to realize the danger nearby. But my mutant senses are alert. No underwater villain can escape me. You may remember some of my adventures. I'm the one who defeated Sandy the Squid. He called himself the Cephalopod of Steel. Sandy liked to tickle swimmers to death, until I tied his tentacles in a knot. Remember the Ragin' Ray of Honolulu Bay? He's not raging anymore. How about Joe, the Great White Stingray? After a smackdown with the undersea mutant, he floundered off with his stinger between his fins. The snapping tortoise of terror? After our three-day underwater battle, I tossed him into a soup bowl. His new name was Delicious. Yeah, I'm tough, but these are tough waters. And now, I'm about to face my most dangerous foe, the albino electric eel, the only one in the known universe. I see him waiting for me behind a bank of red and yellow coral. To your eyes, he's just a long string of seaweed. That's because you don't have mutant vision. I lower my 4D high-def mask into the water and kick harder. I glide toward my foe. I don't hesitate. I grab him barehanded and begin to apply my famous eel squeeze. 200,000 volts of electricity shoot through my body. Enough power to electrocute a dozen men. But to me, it's only a slight itch. I thrash and kick, wrestling with this eel of evil. Another jolt of electricity makes the churning water start to boil. Yes, it's getting hot down here, but the only one who's in real hot water is my wriggling enemy. I hear a voice, a distant voice calling my human name. Billy? Billy? A desperate cry for help. Someone is in danger. I let go of the eel. Catch you later, I think. I fight my way to the surface. Someone needs me. Chapter 2 Billy? Billy? I bobbed up to the surface, pulled off my snorkel, and raised the mask. I stared into the sunlight. I saw my uncle. He was leaning over the rail of his boat, the Cassandra. He stared down at me. Billy? What are you doing down there? He called. Uh, just pretending stuff, I said. Was that seaweed you were fighting? He asked. I didn't know he was watching. I thought maybe it was an eel, I said. He chuckled. Well, you gave it a beating it won't forget. 
Dr. D thinks my superhero fantasies are funny. Climb up here, he shouted. You've been pestering me for weeks to teach you how to use the fishing spear. This seems like a good time. Awesome, I cried. I turned and kicked my way toward the ladder at the stern of the boat. The Cassandra is a long white boat, the size of a small house. It's actually a sea lab, three decks tall. The lower deck has sleeping cabins for us and the crew, storage compartments, and the galley where we cook our meals and eat together. The main deck is filled with research cabins and study labs and all kinds of radar and computer equipment. At the front of the top deck is the pilot's cabin with the wheel and other controls. Behind that is an observation deck with even more electronic equipment. My uncle is a marine biologist. He studies tropical fish and undersea plants. He spends a lot of time looking for fish and plants that haven't been discovered yet. Dr. D helped pull me onto the deck. He laughed when I splashed water over the front of his white lab coat. I tossed my snorkel, mask, and fins into the metal bin near the rail. Then I pulled off the wetsuit and tossed it in, too. My uncle's name is George Deep, but everybody calls him Dr. D. Even my dad, his brother, calls him Dr. D. Dad says everyone called George that back when he was 10 years old. That's because he was always studying bugs and dirt and tree leaves and stuff, even when he was just a kid. Dr. D is short and thin. He wears thick, black-rimmed glasses. He has curly brown hair and a bald spot on top of his head, and the expression on his face is almost always serious. He wears a long, white lab coat with a dozen pockets. He looks just the way a scientist should look. He put a hand on my shoulder and led me along the side of the deck. How was the water? He asked. Kinda wet, I said. He chuckled. It was a little joke we shared. He raised the long metal fishing spear. Know what this is? He said. A toothpick for a whale? I replied. He laughed again. Let's get serious, Billy. This is a very dangerous weapon. He wrapped my hand around the end. Hold it like this. Yes, I thought. The undersea mutant raises the pulverizer, my death spear made of supercharged lightning. Dr. D took the spear from me. He wrapped his hand around it and raised it over his head. Billy, watch carefully. This is how you throw it. See how I have it balanced? He pulled back and heaved the spear into the water. I watched it cut through the surface without making a splash. Dr. D had attached a long rope to the back of the spear. He used it to pull the spear onto the boat. It takes a while to get the feel of it, he told me. Get the right balance first. Then aiming it will be a lot easier. He handed the spear to me. It's heavier than you thought, isn't it? It's light as a feather to the undersea mutant. Yeah, kind of heavy, I said. He slid my hand closer to the middle of the shaft. Hold it here, he said. Go ahead, get it balanced, and then give it a try. I gripped the spear tightly. I stared over the rail into the sparkling water. I took a deep breath. I pulled my arm back as far as it would go, and I heaved the spear with all my might. Help! A shrill voice shrieked from the water. My little sister, Sheena. Help! You hit me! Chapter 3 my heart skipped a beat. I let out a horrified cry and gripped the railing with both hands. No, please, tell me I didn't do it. Gasping for breath, I stared down over the rail. Sheena's black hair spread out like a limp jellyfish on the surface of the ocean. Was she floating face down? No, 
She tilted her head up. Hope I didn't scare you, Billy. She raised the spear in one hand and waved it over her head, laughing. Sheena, that's not a good joke, Dr. D said, shaking his head. Sure it was, Sheena replied. It worked. What a brat. You didn't scare me at all, I said. My voice cracked. I hoped she didn't notice. Sheena's ten, and she likes to prove that she's the bold, brave one in the family. Maybe she is a little braver than me, but mainly she's just loud and annoying. Dr. D, Sheena shouted, you shouldn't let Billy play with sharp things. He'll poke his eye out. I groaned. Ha ha. Toss up the spear and wait right there. I need the target practice. You couldn't hit the ocean from there, she cried. Then she laughed at her own dumb joke. Come up here, Dr. D called to her. I need to talk to you both. Sheena climbed onto the deck. She pulled off her mask and her wetsuit, straightened her red swimsuit, and shook out her hair. We look a lot alike. We both have straight black hair. Mine is short, and hers comes down past her shoulders. We're both tall and kind of skinny. We both have dark blue eyes and heavy dark eyebrows that make us look serious even when we're not. Sometimes people say, you two must be twins. That makes me stick my finger down my throat and gag. Because first, I'm a whole two years older than she is, and second, we're not alike at all. Sheena doesn't like to pretend. She would stare at the albino electric eel and say, that's just a clump of seaweed. No way she could share the amazing adventures of the undersea mutant. She only likes things that are real. How boring is that? Sheena carried the spear across the deck and dropped it on my bare foot. Ow! I screamed, hopping up and down. I told you to be careful with that thing, Sheena said. Maybe next summer I'll invite my other niece and nephew to join me, Dr. D said. They get along. We get along fine, Sheena said. She wrapped her arm around my shoulders and gave me a big fake hug. Don't we, Billy Willie? Totally annoying, right? No more target practice for today, Dr. D said. Take your places. It's time to move. I just got the okay over the radio, and the navigation maps I've been waiting for arrived today via satellite. So we are ready for action. He turned and headed up to the pilot's cabin. Where are we going? I called after him. Deep waters, he said. He looked back and frowned at us. Very deep waters. Chapter 4 The engines roared. Dr. D turned the wheel, and the Cassandra edged sharply into the waves. Sheena and I took our places on a bench against the cabin wall. The boat rocked hard, and a strong spray washed over the railing. Soon, we were crashing over the sparkling waves. A red-orange sun floated on the horizon. I turned back and saw the tiny island of Karibo vanish, a speck of yellow on the blue water. About an hour later, Dr. D locked the wheel. Then he led the way down to the galley for some lunch. Normally, the Cassandra has a crew of three or four, but when Sheena and I visit in the summer, Dr. D likes to give them time off. He pulled out the grilled bluefish left over from last night's dinner and some sandwich rolls, and we sat around the small white table and ate fish sandwiches and drank papaya juice. After lunch, Dr. D pulled off his glasses and cleaned them with his napkin. I'll tell you what we're doing, he said. 
but you probably won't believe me. He chuckled. I'm not sure I believe it myself, but we're going to try to track down a sunken pirate ship. My mouth dropped open. You mean like real pirates? I said. Dr. D nodded and slid his glasses back on. People have been searching for this ship for over 200 years, he said. My workers back on the mainland think they have located it using acoustic imaging and laser mapping. They just emailed me all the info. Dr. D's eyes flashed. Here's the amazing thing, he said. If the sonar image is correct, we're actually not too far from where the ship went down. Sheena and I nodded and waited for him to tell us more. The ship is called the Scarlet Skull, he said. Perfect name for a pirate ship, right? He took a long sip of papaya juice. According to legend, the ship sank in the late 1780s, he said, and it took millions of dollars of jewels and gold treasure down with it. And we're gonna find the treasure and be billionaires, I cried. I jumped up and pumped my fists in the air. Sheena grabbed me and pulled me back down. Billy, were you born immature? If we find the treasure, it will all go to the Karibo Dolphin Rescue Fund, Dr. D said. I'd be thrilled to find it, but I'm a scientist, not a treasure hunter. This is totally cool, I said. I was so excited, I could barely sit still. How did the pirate ship go down? Sheena asked. Dr. D scratched his head. This is where the story gets weird, he said. And this is what I want to investigate. The reports at the time said there were two pirate ships. They were sailing in view of each other. It was a calm, clear day. The ocean waves were flat and gentle. And suddenly, a swirling black cloud swept over the water. The Scarlet Skull sailed into the cloud and disappeared. Huh? It just disappeared, I said? Dr. D nodded. I told you it was weird. The black cloud passed and the pirate ship had vanished. The pirates on the other ship stood staring, waiting for it to reappear, but it was never seen again. Sheena and I stared at him. Neither of us spoke. Dr. D opened a file of papers he had brought to lunch and scanned them quickly. The Scarlet Skull belonged to a notorious captain named Long Ben Oneleg, he said. Long Ben was very bad news. I felt a shiver at the back of my neck. How bad, I asked. Well, some people believe that he was so evil, the sea just swallowed him up. Swallowed him and his entire ship to protect the world from his evil. Dr. D continued to skim the papers. Here's a story that will give you a good idea of what Captain Ben was like. It seems he kept a big tub of hungry rats on the ship. When one of his men did something to make him angry, he tossed the guy into the tub. Then he sat back and watched the rats make lunch of him. Sheena grabbed her throat and groaned. Oh, that's way sick. Sometimes when he was bored, Dr. D continued, he threw someone in the rat tub just for entertainment. They didn't have TV in those days, right? I joked. But when I pictured the hungry rats gnawing on some poor guy, I felt a little sick. So all the pirates drowned when the ship went down? Sheena asked. Dr. D nodded. The pirates drowned, the rats drowned, and the treasure sank with them. He set the papers on the table and squeezed Sheena's hand. 
And there's one more part to the story. A very creepy part. He stopped, as if he didn't want to tell us. We waited, our eyes locked on his. Tell us, I said. Please, tell us. Chapter 5 Dr. D hesitated. I could see he was thinking hard. Well, he said finally, according to legend, the Scarlet Skull is haunted. Long Ben prowls the sunken ship, always awake, always alert, to protect the treasure. I gasped, but Sheena laughed. Uncle George, you don't believe in ghosts, do you? Dr. D gazed back at her through his thick glasses. He didn't reply. Do you? Sheena insisted. Do you really believe in ghosts? He... he's not a ghost, Dr. D muttered. According to the legend, he's a zombie. And suddenly, in my mind, sounding so distant, so far away, I heard a soft, evil whisper. I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting. Did Sheena and Dr. D see me shiver? I don't think they noticed. Of course, the whispered voice was only in my mind, my wild imagination taking off again. I was sitting there scaring myself. This is the perfect mission for the undersea mutant, I told myself. Zombie pirates in a sunken treasure ship. Awesome. So why did my stomach suddenly feel as if I'd swallowed a huge rock? Tell us the truth, my sister said, pressing our uncle. Zombies, true or false? That made Dr. D smile. I'm a scientist, he said. I study the real world. I don't believe in zombie pirates. The Cassandra bounced hard on the waves. We tilted forward, then back. I gripped the edge of the table to steady myself. I glanced out the galley porthole. In the distance, I could see islands of dark, craggy rocks and tall purple cliffs. I don't believe in zombies, Dr. D repeated. But I have been fascinated by this mystery for years. And if we can find the ship, I can study the natural causes. I can determine what really made that ship go down. Dr. D jumped up. He collected our plastic dishes and dropped them into the tiny galley sink. Come on, he said. I want to show you something. He led us up to the main deck and around to the starboard side. Normally, he keeps a small dinghy tethered to the side, a little boat for going on shore on islands. Whoa! I let out a startled cry. In place of the dinghy, a tiny submarine floated beside the Cassandra. It's my own design, Dr. D said. Cute, huh? I call it the Deep Diver. My heart was racing. Were we really going down to the bottom of the ocean in this little sub? I leaned over the rail and studied it. It looked like a toy, shaped like a real submarine. Bright yellow metal with a narrow hatch on top, big enough for only one person at a time. I saw round glass portholes in front, back, and on both sides. Two big headlights in front, twin thrusters at the back. The three of us should fit okay, Dr. D said. It'll be a snug ride. My little sub won't go long distances, but it'll take us down to the sunken ship if we find it. And it has a little speed. I can get it up to five knots if I really push it. Another dangerous mission for the undersea mutant, I thought. I imagined myself in a furious sword fight with a zombie pirate. 
Then I saw myself swimming away in victory, pulling a huge treasure chest brimming with jewels behind me. Actually, I felt a little shaky. I had a fluttering feeling in my stomach. I couldn't help it. I was scared. The deep diver looked so small and fragile. I imagined it being swallowed by an enormous shark. Then I shut my eyes and I imagined a deafening crash, shattered glass. I pictured a great green eel crashing through a porthole. It had me in its teeth. It wrapped its tongue around me. I was about to become eel food. Whoa, Billy, stop. Yes, I could dream up crazy adventures all day long, but even with my great imagination, I couldn't dream up the real horrors that awaited us at the bottom of the ocean. It all started the next afternoon. Chapter 6 A little after 2 o'clock, Dr. D called Sheena and me into his computer lab on the main deck of the Cassandra. I think we're very close, he said. He was staring at four monitors. They had blue and green ocean maps on them. White dots moved across the screens. He pointed to a white dot on the top screen. That's us, he said. Then he moved his finger over a dark shape at the bottom of the screen. That could be the sunken ship. Sheena and I stared at the dark shape. It didn't look like a ship. It just looked like a black smudge on the screen. Dr. D tapped the smudge two or three times. Then he jumped up from his chair. Let's go check it out. I swallowed hard. You mean, get in the sub? Sheena pumped her fists in the air. This is totally cool, she cried. I couldn't let her see how scared I was. I slapped her a high five. Don't be scared, Sheena. Dr. D and I can handle things. Funny, Sheena said, rolling her eyes. That's about as funny as a shark bite. I bit her arm. Not too hard, just as a joke. She's so annoying. When we came out on the deck, Dr. D had already anchored the Cassandra. It was a bright day, with puffy white clouds high in the sky. The blue-green waves lapped calmly at our boat. Dr. D led us to the little sub. He pulled open the hatch. We peered down into the small chamber. Lower yourself slowly, Dr. D said. There's plenty of room once you get in the cabin. Sheena bumped me out of the way. Ladies first, she said. She squeezed into the hatch and lowered herself quickly out of sight. Awesome, her voice echoed up from the tiny chamber. My turn. The undersea mutant follows the call to adventure, I told myself. Wherever danger goes, the mutant follows. My foot missed the bottom ladder rung. I fell, landed on my feet. Ta-da! I made it look as if I meant to do it. Sheena didn't see my klutzy move. She took the seat at the end and studied the control panel. She turned and grinned at me. What do you think would happen if I pushed this button? Sheena, don't, I cried. She laughed. Just testing you. You failed. What a pain, always trying to prove that she's braver than me. I dropped down next to her. The black plastic seats were jammed close together. The cabin ceiling was just a few inches over our heads. I heard the hatch slam shut above us. Dr. D lowered himself into the cabin and dropped into the seat next to me. He leaned over the control panel. He threw a few switches. The cabin filled with orange light. He pushed a yellow button and the engine hummed to life. 
This sub is so easy to pilot, a monkey could do it, he said. Does that mean Billy could do it too? Sheena cracked. Let me show you both, Dr. D said. This is the helm. It steers just like the wheel of a car. That yellow button is the ignition. He tapped a round screen on the control panel. That's the satellite navigation system, he said. It's like the GPS navigation in a car, only it maps the ocean. And this screen next to it is the sonar echo display. It picks up any objects on the ocean floor. He pointed down to his foot. See the pedal? It looks like a gas pedal, right? Push the top of it down with the ball of your foot and the sub goes forward. Push the bottom down with your heel and the rear thrusters come on, sending the sub back. He grabbed the stick to the right of the wheel. Pull up and the sub goes up. Pull down and we descend. I swallowed hard. I felt a little seasick and we weren't even underwater yet. I won't be so stressed once we start moving, I told myself. What would the undersea mutant do in this situation? I was too excited and scared to think about the undersea mutant. D do you really think the pirate ship is down here? I stammered. Dr. D studied the satellite navigation screen. Let's find out, Billy, he murmured. He lowered his foot on the accelerator and pulled the stick down. I heard the thrusters roar to life. I grabbed the sides of the seat as we splashed hard in the water. We were sinking slowly. I stared out the porthole. The blue sky disappeared as water covered the glass. Down. Down. A string of bubbles rippled outside the glass. The water darkened as we dropped. Dr. D pushed a switch and the orange lights inside our chamber brightened to yellow. My ears just popped, Dr. D said. How about yours? I think my eyes just popped, I said. I wanted it to sound like a joke, but I think I sounded a little scared. Do we have diving equipment? Sheena asked. If we find the ship, can we swim out and explore it? What a show-off, I thought. She wants to swim at the bottom of the ocean? Dr. D shook his head. No room for diving equipment. If the pressure holds, we should be able to get very close to the sunken ship. We can see a lot from inside here. If the pressure holds? An hour passed, then another hour. We have to descend very slowly, Dr. D explained, especially in this tiny tin can. I wished he wouldn't call it a tin can. I gazed out at the twin beams of light. All I could see was the blue-green murk. Finally, Dr. D pulled the stick up and cut off the rear thrusters. We slowly stopped dropping. The sub rocked from side to side. Dr. D squinted at the monitor. We're about a hundred yards from the ocean floor, he said. Need to move forward now. I saw strange black coral formations out the side porthole. Shadowy forms, like underwater ghosts, I thought. Dr. D pressed the accelerator. The sub hesitated for a moment, then shot forward. He mopped sweat off his forehead with the palm of his hand. I'm pretty excited, he said, staring at the navigation screen. I've studied all kinds of sea life, but I've never seen anything like this. I... The engine sputtered. It sounded like a power lawnmower shutting down. Whoa, Dr. D uttered. What's going on? Silence now. No problem. It just stalled, Dr. D said. He pushed the yellow ignition button. The engine coughed, sputtered, died again. 
Hey! I let out a cry as I saw a huge black cloud rolling through the water toward us. Sheena saw it too. What's that? She cried. It moved quickly, no time to speed out of its way. I watched it roll forward like an immense black tidal wave, blacker than ink, blacker than anything I'd ever seen. Dr. D? My voice came out in a choked whisper. I gripped the sides of the seat. I was panting so hard I could barely breathe. Dr. D? The blackness swept into the sub, icy cold. I couldn't see Dr. D. I couldn't see Sheena. I couldn't see my own hands in front of me. Dr. D? I repeated in a tiny voice. What is happening? I... I don't know, he answered. And I don't like it. Chapter 7 I can't see a thing, Sheena said. It's like I'm blind. She grabbed my arm. Did we float into some kind of cave? No, Dr. D replied. We're not in a cave. I'm not sure what this is. Maybe it will float past us, I choked out. I kept blinking, trying to see. I felt sick. I swallowed hard, trying not to gag. Sheena squeezed my arm. She was actually scared. There are inky parts out in these deep waters, Dr. D said, but I've never seen anything like this. Let me get the thrusters going and I'll try to steer us out of it. I couldn't see him, but I heard him working the controls. He muttered to himself each time the engine sputtered and died. Whoa! I let out a cry as we started to spin. Sheena bumped hard against me. The sub spun faster, round and round, and I felt it start to drop. We whirled down, then back up, spinning faster. I felt dizzy. I grabbed my stomach. I could feel my lunch rise up to my throat. I... I can't explain this, Dr. D stammered. Something is pulling us. Something... He stopped suddenly. The spinning slowed. The darkness covered us. I jumped and let out a frightened cry when I heard a loud noise close to me. Thwop! It sounded like when Dad opens a coffee can and the air pops out. Then, silence. I held my breath, struggling not to barf. Finally, the inky blackness started to lift. Dr. D, are we okay? I asked in a shaky voice. No answer. Blinking, I struggled to see through the gray mist. Dr. D, Uncle George, what's happening? I asked. Can you get us back to the surface? Sheena asked. The lights flashed back on. Sheena and I both let out shocked cries. Dr. D was gone. Chapter 8 A cold shiver stiffened my back. I stared at the empty seat next to me. No, no, it's impossible, I screamed. Sheena jerked her body around and looked up. The hatch, she murmured. Is it open? Did he... I jumped to my feet and pulled myself up to the hatch, locked tight. But he couldn't vanish into thin air, Sheena said in a whisper. Dr. D? Dr. D? She began shouting his name. Can you hear us? Silence. The sub rocked gently. The black cloud had completely lifted. 
I slumped into Dr. D's seat. Sheena and I stared at each other. I knew we were both thinking the same thing. That pirate captain and his ship, I said. They disappeared in a black cloud, remember? No, Billy, don't say that, Sheena cried, grabbing my arm. They were never seen again. Don't say that, don't. We'll find Dr. D, I know we will. Okay, okay, I said, let go of me. You're hurting me. She didn't even realize she kept squeezing my arm. Billy, what are we going to do? I didn't answer. I gripped the wheel hard and tried to fight my panic. Here we were, suddenly all alone near the bottom of the ocean in this tiny submarine. How will we find Dr. D? How much air do we have? How do we get back to the Cassandra? Are all three of us going to disappear? Every question sent shiver after shiver down my back. I gripped the wheel tighter, struggling to think. Strong currents rocked us from side to side. The twin lights on the front couldn't cut through the dark waters. The radio, I cried. We can call for help. I reached for the radio receiver. Do you know how to work it? Sheena asked in a tiny voice. No, I said, but maybe I can figure it out. I pushed the two buttons beneath the speaker. Hello? Hello, can anyone hear me? Silence. Hello? I pushed more buttons. Hello? Is anyone there? Silence. I couldn't even get any static. We're too far down, I said. The radio won't work at this depth. Sheena was hugging herself, trying to stay calm. Well, get us back to the surface, she snapped. If we can get back to the Cassandra, we can radio for help. I leaned over the control panel. My hand trembled as I pushed the yellow ignition button. Hey! To my surprise, the engine roared to life. Yes! Sheena cried. We've got power! Bring us up, Billy, hurry! I pushed my foot down on the accelerator. I pushed the stick all the way up. Whoa! What's wrong? I gasped. We nosed down hard. My head hit the glass. I saw flashing bursts of red. I let out a cry of pain. Sheena screamed. I pulled the stick down, then up again, but we kept falling, faster, as if a strong force was sucking us down. Pull us up! Pull us up! Sheena cried, frantically slamming her hands on the control board. I stared into the beams of light in front of us. They were tilting down. What is that? I gasped. I... I think it's a ship! Sheena cried. A sunken ship! Do something, Billy! Do something! We're going to crash right into it! Chapter 9 It was all happening too fast to think. The dark form of the sunken ship rose up in front of us. Stop! 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 I didn't even realize I was screaming the word over and over. A hard bounce sent me spilling forward. I hit the control panel. To my shock, the engine sputtered and died. Through the murky water, I stared down at the sunken ship, tilted nearly on its side on the ocean floor. I saw broken masts, tattered sails covered in algae, a ragged hole the size of a car in the side of the bow. It's the pirate ship, I said, the Scarlet Skull. Sheena, do you believe it? We found it. 
Staring straight ahead, Sheena tugged at her hair. We're still dropping, she said. You have to get us out of here. Can you do it? She grabbed my arm. Maybe, I whispered. I stared down at the ship's deck covered in barnacles. Black and brown coral and slimy green algae encrusted the walls. The ship's wheel lay on its side, cracked and rotted. I pushed the ignition button. The engine sputtered, but didn't start. The dark water bubbled all around us, and the sub dropped sharply. Oh no! Oh no! I screamed. My head smacked the glass again as our sub hit the mossy deck of the old ship and bounced up. My hands flew off the controls. A strong current pushed us forward. We rammed into the main cabin wall. Crack! We both screamed in horror. Our sub just split open. We're going to drown down here. But no, the sub was okay. Part of the ship's wall splintered. It cracked and fell away. The sub floated into the ship, into a vast cabin, seaweed clinging to the ceiling and walls. Hundreds of silvery fish, thin as needles, fed off the weeds. Silence inside the ship. Our sub tilted and spun slowly, casting a murky light all around. I... I think we're trapped in here, I whispered. I don't think we can get out. I was totally losing it. I never admitted it, but I always counted on Sheena to be the brave one. But now, it was impossible to be brave. We were both terrified out of our skulls. As I peered out into the ship's cabin, Sheena shoved me aside and grabbed the controls. Get back, Billy, let me try. She pushed the ignition button once, twice. The engine only coughed. She stamped down hard on the accelerator and then froze. I saw her blue eyes bulge. I turned to follow her stare. We both screamed when we saw it. The face, the grinning face in the water, staring in at us. Chapter 10 I gaped in horror at the grinning skull. The top of its head was crusted with black crab shells and snails. Fat brown sea worms bulged inside its mouth and its empty eye sockets. It pressed against the glass in front of us, a skeleton in a rotting shirt and torn trousers. Its horrible face stared in at us. Then it raised its bony arms, clenched its bony fingers into two fists. Bam! Bam! I jumped as it punched the glass with both fists. It's... it's alive! It's trying to break in, Sheena said in a trembling whisper. Bam! Bam! I jumped with each punch. From somewhere deep in the sunken ship, I heard a low moan, like an animal in pain. And then, ugly moans all around us. And as we stared in open-mouthed panic, a wall of skeletons floated up, pressing their skulls against the glass. Skeletons in tattered clothes, algae growing on their skulls, black crab shells hardened over their bones. Frozen in terror, I stared at the dark, empty eye sockets, their toothless grins, their cracked skulls, the worms and snails and crabs clinging to them. Bam! Bam! They lowered their skulls and smacked the glass with their foreheads. Again! Again! 
they hammered the glass with their skulls and their bony hands. I saw fingers break off and float away, but the grinning skeletons kept pounding, pounding. I whipped my head around and saw more of them behind us, clinging to the sub. Sheena grabbed my arm and squeezed it tightly. Billy, we're surrounded. The pirates, they're alive. They're breaking in. Bam. Don't you see? We woke them up, I cried. We woke up the pirates. Billy, they're going to break the glass, Sheena wailed. Panic swept over me. My heart pounded as loudly as the skulls on the glass. I couldn't think straight. Bam! Bam! I slapped wildly at the ignition button. It won't go, Sheena, I cried. It won't go! Chapter 11 Bam! 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 The ugly skulls battered the glass. Sheena's eyes were wild. Her face turned bright red. She pounded the control panel with both fists, and the engine rumbled to life. Yes! I cried. I shoved the stick all the way up. Bam! Bam! All around us, the skulls beat in a steady rhythm against the portholes. I could feel the sub start to rise. The skulls jerked back. Bony hands scratched against the glass, then fell away. Yes! The skeletal pirates disappeared beneath us. Their animal moans followed us, then slowly faded from our ears. The dark green water bubbled as the sub shot up. I held the stick in my trembling hand, pulled it as far up as it would go. We got away, Sheena said. We're heading to the surface. I knew we would. I knew we'd be okay. Despite my fear, I burst out laughing. It sure didn't take long for Sheena to get her old personality back. But now, the frightening questions whirred through my brain once again. Can we find our way back to the Cassandra? If we do, will we be able to radio for help? Where is Dr. D? Did he really vanish from this tiny sub? How can we find him? Did we really see dead pirates come to life? Will they come after us? How much oxygen do we have left? Sheena and I stared through the porthole as if hypnotized. We watched the swirling water and didn't say a word. Finally, two hours later, the deep diver bobbed to the surface. I blinked in the bright sunlight. The waves shimmered as we rocked gently on top of the water. We made it, I cried, letting out a long breath. Sheena peered out the porthole. But where is the Cassandra? she asked. I felt all my muscles tighten. We can find it, I said. We didn't go far. I grabbed the wheel and began to turn the sub slowly. I made the sub spin in a wide circle. No sign of the sea lab. It has to be here, Sheena murmured. It's our only chance. Ignoring my fear, I moved the sub in larger and larger circles. But no, nothing but ocean. Endless ocean, as far as we could see. We rocked on the water. The only sound now was the wash of the waves against the sub. We both stared out at the rolling waves. We didn't say a word. Finally, I turned to my sister. We're all alone, I said softly. 
Dr. D is gone, and no one knows we're out here. Sheena frowned at me. And what's the good news? There was none. Chapter 12 Sheena jumped up from her seat and stumbled to the back of the sub. I'm opening the hatch, she said. She was already halfway up the ladder. We can see better up there. Are, are you sure it's a good idea? I called. Too late. I heard the hatch lid pop. The sea sounds grew louder. Sheena hoisted herself to the top. The sub rocked and bobbed. The wind roared. Can you see the Cassandra? I shouted. She didn't answer. I don't think she could hear me. Finally, she lowered herself one rung and bent her head toward me. To my surprise, she had a smile on her face. An island, she cried. Billy, there's an island out there. How close, I shouted. Can we swim to it? We have to, she cried. The ocean is calm. We can make it if we take our time. We should have worn our swimsuits, I thought. We were in jeans and t-shirts. But of course, we didn't know we'd have to leave the sub. A large fish slid past the porthole. I imagined a school of killer sharks circling us, snapping their jaws hungrily. I pictured the zombie pirates rising up from the ocean bottom and grabbing us. No, Billy, don't think about sharks or zombies. I heard a splash. I turned and gazed up at the empty hatch. Sheena was already in the water. Courage, I whispered. That's the official slogan of the undersea mutant. I searched the control panel. I found a lever marked anchor. I pulled the lever down and heard a loud buzz. Some kind of electric anchor. At least the sub would be here, ready for our return. I pulled myself up to the top of the hatch. Shielding my eyes with one hand, I squinted into the distance. Yes, a long yellow sand island. I could see some trees near the shore. Come on, Billy! Jump! Sheena called. She floated on her back alongside the sub. Coming! I shouted. I tried to steady myself over the edge of the hatch, but my legs trembled so hard I could barely stand. Jump! Sheena yelled. What are you waiting for? Okay, okay, I muttered. I took a deep breath, raised both arms above my head, and leaped. Ow! I screamed as I hit the hatch lid. My legs scraped along the metal edge. Sharp pain shot up my left side. I did a hard belly flop into the water. The cold rushed over me. My leg throbbed with pain. Splashing wildly, I raised my head. I grabbed the aching leg. Sheena! I called. A wave washed over me. I shook it off and pulled myself up. Sheena! Help me! I can't swim! I think I broke my leg! Chapter 13 Sheena quickly swam over to me. What happened? I banged my leg on the hatch, I moaned, ducking under a high wave. It's the same leg that shark bit last summer. It really hurts. I think maybe... Let me see, Sheena said. She grabbed the leg and twisted it. Hey, stop, I screamed. It bends at the knee, she said. It's not broken. Since when are you an expert on legs, I cried. But she didn't hear me. 
She was already swimming toward the island with slow, steady strokes. I had no choice. I had to swim after her. I ignored the pain, lowered my head to the water, and began doing my famous breaststroke. Courage, I whispered again, just a reminder to myself. The water was cold, and the waves were pulling against us. I'm a good swimmer, but halfway to the island, my arms started to ache. My cut leg throbbed. I sucked in breath after breath and forced myself through the strong current. I don't know how long it took to reach the island. Maybe half an hour. It seemed a lot longer. I fell onto the sandy shore, shivering, gasping for air. My chest felt ready to explode. I lay on my stomach, my head resting on the soft sand, breathing. Just breathing. When I finally looked up, I saw Sheena leaning against the curved trunk of a palm tree in a thick clump of ferns. With a groan, I pulled myself to my feet. My waterlogged jeans and t-shirt hung heavily against my body. I took a step and let out a cry. Ow! My leg! I raised the knee and tested the leg a few times. It moved okay, but it hurt each time I bent it. I limped a few feet toward my sister, groaning with each step. Here, Sheena said, this just washed ashore. Maybe you can lean on it. You know, use it as a cane. She held up a long stick. I hobbled over to her and grabbed it. It was a long piece of bleached driftwood, the perfect size. Don't call it a cane, I told her. It's the mutant's golden staff of invincibility. It was handed down to me by the Eternals. She rolled her eyes. Whatever. I tried the driftwood cane out. Leaning on it, I could get around pretty good. I glanced around the island. A narrow strip of yellow sand formed the beach. Beyond the beach, I saw clumps of tall grass and ferns. A thick cluster of palm trees hid the rest of the land from view. Strange, I thought. No seagulls on the shore. No birds chirping in the trees. What a weird, dead silence. Come on, let's explore. Sheena's voice cut into my creepy thoughts. Billy, can you walk? No problem, I said. Leaning on the cane, I followed her along the shoreline. Our sandals crunched on the soft sand. We passed a wide patch of tall grass blowing one way, then the other. Oh, wow. Sheena stopped and raised her arm to block me. I don't believe it, she cried. She stared wide-eyed at the sand. I followed her gaze and gasped. Footprints. They led from the water, across the sand, into the trees. Dr. D, I cried. He, he made it to shore. Without another word, we began following the footprints. Sheena trotted over the sand. I limped after her as fast as I could, leaning on the driftwood stick. The footprints led along a narrow path that twisted through a thick grove of palm trees. Tall reeds and ropey vines lined both sides of the path. We had to step over fat gray roots that poked up like giant snakes from the sand. I stopped to rest my leg for a moment. Dr. D! I shouted, cupping my hands around my mouth. Uncle George, can you hear me? Are you here? No answer. My eyes on the footprints, I trotted after Sheena. Hey! I let out a sharp cry and stopped beside her. We both stared through an opening between lush fern leaves. 
stared at a man in a long black cloak with a hood pulled over his head. Was it Dr. D? It had to be. Dr. D, it's us, Sheena cried. Why didn't he turn around? I pushed the fern leaves out of the way with the stick. Then we both burst through, running over the sand to our uncle. Oh, I gasped and stopped short. Sheena grabbed my arm, and we both opened our mouths in screams of horror. Chapter 14 The stick fell from my hand. I grabbed it back and raised it in front of me. Could I use it to defend myself? I didn't need it. The hooded figure in front of us wasn't going to attack. It leaned against a tree, unmoving. A skeleton. I let out a groan. Oh, sick! The long cloak was covered in crawling worms and insects. Bugs climbed in and out of the skeleton's toothless mouth. Under the cloak, I saw a rotting shirt. On the shirt's pocket, I saw a red skull and crossbones. A pirate! I whispered. But it's impossible, Sheena said in a whisper. These footprints, Billy, look at them. They're fresh. I glanced down at the sand. Yes, fresh footprints still deep in the sand. No, no way, I murmured. I watched the fat brown worms slither around the grinning skull. A chill made my whole body shake. I couldn't take my eyes off that ugly face. Billy, didn't you hear me? Let's go, Sheena shouted. I shook my head hard, trying to clear my mind, trying to shake away my panic. Sheena grabbed my hand and pulled me along a twisting path. We hurried through the trees and vines back to the beach. I struggled to keep up with her, leaning on the stick. The sun was now a red ball, low over the water. The late afternoon light turned the ocean red and purple. A pretty sight, but there was no way we could enjoy it. Stranded on a tiny island with a disgusting dead pirate, I muttered. Dr. D is gone, and we have no way to get home. Could it get any worse than this? Yes, it could, Sheena replied in a whisper. I think it just did. And she pointed to the sand in front of us. Chapter 15 I held my breath and followed her gaze. Oh, no! I saw at least a dozen sets of fresh footprints in the sand. They all lead from the water, Sheena said softly. They cross the beach and go into the trees. They are skeleton footprints, I said. See? Bone prints. We stared at them, then at each other. The dead pirates, Sheena cried. It must be them, the pirates who smashed their heads and fists on the sub. She shuddered. We woke them up, Billy. Don't you see? When we crashed into their ship, we woke them up. And now they... they followed us here. My mind spun. We... we have to find a hiding place, I said. Somewhere safe where we can try to think. Away from this beach, Sheena said. Away from these footprints. I stared at the bony footprints pressed into the sand. Once again, my imagination took off. I pictured the dead pirates staggering out of the waves. 
I could see them shaking water off their rotted clothes, walking stiffly on the sand, their bones creaking and cracking and grinding, searching blindly for Sheena and me. We trotted over the sand. My leg felt better, but I used the long driftwood stick to help pull myself along. Sheena, look. I pointed to a tall pile of gray rocks at the far end of the beach. There might be caves, I said, or a good hiding place behind the rocks. Let's check it out, Sheena said. We took two or three steps. Whoa! I let out a startled cry as the sand gave way beneath me. My arms shot up in the air as I started to slide. I was sliding down, falling, sliding, falling, sliding. Sand flew all around me. A deep hole, some kind of sand pit. My hands grabbed at the sides, but the sand flew through my fingers. Sand clung to my wet clothes, covered my hair, my face, my eyes. Sliding, falling, sliding. We... We're being buried alive, I screamed. Chapter 16 I landed hard on my feet. Ow! Pain shot up my body. My legs gave way and I fell hard onto my butt. Brushing sand off my face, out of my eyes, I started to choke. I saw Sheena drop onto the sand beside me. She began coughing and sputtering, shaking herself violently, throwing off sand. I spit out a gob of wet sand. The sour, gritty feeling on my tongue made my stomach heave. I took a deep breath and held it. We... we're alive, Sheena muttered, furiously brushing sand from her hair. I picked lumps of sand from my nostrils. I spit again. Then I gazed up. The pit was deep. I could see just a sliver of sky at the top. I used the stick to pull myself to my feet. Bending over, I brushed the wet sand off my t-shirt and jeans. It's sticky, I said, and smelly. Maybe it's a trap, Sheena said. The pirates set this sand trap. They meant to capture us. No way, I said. The pirates just got here, remember? They didn't have time to dig this deep hole. Well, somebody made it, Sheena said. She stared up to the top. Maybe we can climb out. She dug both hands into the sand wall and tried to pull herself up. The soft sand gave way and she slid back down. I tried next, digging my hands deep into the sticky wet sand. Hey! The sand crumbled and I toppled onto my back. It's too soft, Sheena said. Can't get a good grip. Maybe the stick, I said. I shoved the stick into the pit wall, high above my head. Then, holding onto it tightly, I tried to hoist myself up. No, the sand collapsed on me. I came tumbling back down onto my knees. The stick fell and nearly hit me on the head. We didn't give up. We kept trying. I gave Sheena a boost. She climbed onto my shoulders. Her legs wrapped around my neck, nearly choking me. She kicked sand into my face. Get off, I cried. You're too heavy. This won't work. We have to try, she said. We don't want to be trapped down here forever. With a groan, I started to push her up the sand wall. But I stopped when I heard sounds above us. Voices from the beach. Oh! With a startled cry, Sheena jumped off me. She pressed her back against the sand. 
froze and listened to the voices. Men's voices. And as they came closer, I could hear the words they were chanting, chanting deep and low. The same words, over and over, in a frightening, slow rhythm. The bones they crack, the bones they creep. The men come alive in the briny deep. You ended our death, you ended our sleep. The men come alive in the briny deep. So come with us, come with the men. Come meet your fate with Captain Ben. Chapter 17 Sheena covered her ears. I peered up at the top of the pit. The chanting grew louder. The voices surrounded us, closer, closer, until they were right above our heads. You ended our death, you ended our sleep. The men come alive in the briny deep. So come with us, come with the men. Come meet your fate with Captain Ben. Sheena and I pressed ourselves tightly against the pit wall. We tried to burrow into the sand, but there was no place to hide. I looked up and saw the grinning heads staring down at us from all around the top of the pit. My legs were trembling. I could feel my heart racing. I counted more than a dozen of them. Most were grinning skeletons, wearing plain woolen shirts and trousers, or dark jackets and ruffled shirts. Their clothes were stained, and the shredded, rotting cloth barely covered their bones. Even more horrifying, three of them had faces, bloated, distorted faces, swollen from the water, with cheeks sagging to their shoulders and eye sockets stretched too big to hold their eyes. Their blubbery white lips moved like fat maggots. Scraggly clumps of long hair fell over the sides of their heads. Snails and clamshells clung to their scalps. The pirates poked their heads over the pit and continued to chant. Their voices echoed off their bony rib cages. You ended our death, you ended our sleep. The men come alive in the briny deep. What do you want? Sheena screamed up at them. Leave us alone! But they reached down for us, reached with long, bony hands. The fingers curled and uncurled like snakes. Some of the hands had knobs of skin attached, patches of decayed green skin on the palms and fingers. They smelled so putrid, like milk that's been sour for months. The smell floated down over us. I started to choke. I could taste it on my tongue. They lowered a rope ladder into the pit. Sheena and I had no choice. We didn't want to spend the rest of our lives down here. I grabbed the rope and struggled to climb. When I neared the top, hard, bony hands wrapped around my shoulders, then grabbed me under the arms, and with surprising strength, hoisted me out of the pit. The pirate set me down hard on the sand. He wore a three-cornered hat covered in slime. Long purple worms crawled over the brim. He was a skeleton, except... except... he had half a face. Skin hung from the right side of his face and flapped against the cheekbone. He had a dark mustache, just half a mustache, which he kept twirling 
as he stared at me with one empty eye socket and one blue eye. Let go of me, Sheena screamed. It took two pirates to drag her off the ladder and set her on the ground. Let us go, leave us alone, she cried. Moving stiffly, their bones cracking, they formed a circle around us. A tall pirate with sagging bluish skin scratched his scraggly hair, and it came off in his hand. Oh, sick, I moaned. Their bones clattered. The pirates moved in closer, tightening the circle. No way we could make a run for it. What do you want? Sheena shouted. Let us go. We didn't do anything to you. The pirate with half a face started to grunt. His ugly head bobbed up and down on his rotted shoulders. Arms hanging limply at their sides, the circle of dead pirates began moving around us. Slowly at first, then faster. Stepping stiffly, their eyes locked on us. I groaned in horror as one of the pirates lost a bony foot. It fell off his leg, but he didn't stop. He limped on, keeping the circle moving, spinning around us, a circle of ghastly dead men. And then suddenly, the circle opened. The pirate with half a face stepped aside. The other pirates backed away, and I stared in shock as two men approached. A grinning pirate led the way. He wore a long black coat with gold buttons down the front and the gold stripes of a captain on the shoulders. He had a whole face with a thin black mustache and a short black beard. He looked alive, except for the dead green eyes sunk deep in his head. He carried a crutch in one hand and limped toward us. As he approached, the pirates stood back in fear. Was this Captain Ben? And beside him, beside him, with the pirate's big hand grasping his shoulder, our uncle! Billy! Sheena! Dr. D cried. They got you too! Chapter 18 Dr. D! I shouted. I started to run to him, but two pirates leaped forward and held me back. Their bony fingers dug into my shoulders. They smelled like weak old vomit. Again, I had to hold my breath to keep from gagging. Let me go, Sheena cried. She thrashed her arms and kicked, but two pirates held her tight. I stared angrily at the pirate captain. The dead eyes gazed back at me. They looked like soft eggs set deep in the sockets. He had a missing leg. He leaned heavily on his crutch. He dug the crutch into the sand and took a step forward. Let go! Sheena slammed her elbow into a pirate's open rib cage. The bones cracked loudly, but he didn't let go. Instead, he tightened a bony hand around her throat. Don't struggle, Dr. D said. They're too strong. Oh, he smells so pukey, Sheena cried. She covered her mouth with her hand. Captain Ben tossed back his head and uttered a booming laugh. <laughs> his voice sounded as if it came from down a deep tunnel. The laugh made all the pirates jerk straight up at attention. I watched one of the pirates pull a fat worm from his open nose hole. He studied it, 
then shoved it back in. Uncle George, I cried. How did you get here? He struggled. I, I don't really know, Billy. His white lab coat was covered in stains. His pants were torn at one knee. The left lens in his eyeglasses was cracked. How long have you been here? I asked. He shook his head. It's not clear to me, he said. It's all a blank. I'm sorry. But what do these pirates want? I asked. The pirate captain shoved Dr. D aside and limped up to Sheena and me. Captain Ben asked the questions, he said in that low voice that thundered inside his chest. Captain Ben asks the questions, and he answers the questions. At these words, some of the skeletal pirates trembled and shook. Bones clacked and rattled. An eyeball hit the sand. Its owner moved to pick it up and accidentally stepped on it. Captain Ben turned from Sheena to me. An ugly grin spread over his face. So he's your uncle, is he? Would ye like to see your uncle survive? He asked. Would ye like Captain Ben to let your uncle live? So I was right. I was staring at Captain Ben Oneleg, the legendary pirate. The evil pirate who had been dead for over 200 years. Yes, I stammered. Of course we want Dr. D to live. I'll bet, Captain Ben said. He grabbed Dr. D by the shoulder and slammed him into the trunk of a palm tree. Dr. D groaned and fell to his knees, grabbing his shoulder. Captain Ben laughed. I like to watch a man bounce, don't you? No, Sheena screamed. Stop it, let us go. Captain Ben's grin faded. He scratched his black beard. Careful, girl, he said. Being dead for over 200 years has put Captain Ben in a very bad mood. I don't care, Sheena shouted. Let us go. I'll not let any of ye go, he said, holding his wet-eyed stare on Sheena. And ye'll not have your uncle back until you give me what is mine. I swallowed, thinking hard, my mind spinning. What did he mean? I whispered to Sheena, what does he want? What does he think we have, his lost treasure? Are you looking for your treasure? We don't have it, Sheena shouted to the pirate captain. We never saw it. We don't have your treasure. A scowl spread over Captain Ben's face. You'll not have your uncle back, he repeated, until you give me what is mine. You have to believe us, I called to the pirate captain. We don't have it. I raised my stick as if it were a sword. All around us, the pirates tensed. They lifted their bony arms. I could tell they were preparing to fight. Captain Ben stared at the stick. You've made your choice, he said through gritted teeth. The wrong choice. He waved his arm in a signal to his men. Take them, he shouted. Show them what we call pirate mercy. With a rattle of bones, the dead pirates closed in on us. Chapter 19 Run, kids! Dr. D shouted. Don't worry about me! I spun away from him. The pirate with half a face stretched out his arms and tried to grab me. I ducked and darted right through his legs. Another pirate bumped up to me. 
His ruffled shirt, torn to shreds, revealed nothing but ribs underneath. He raised his hands, ready to fight. I swung the driftwood stick at him. It caught him in the chest. I heard his brittle ribs crack. He let out a muffled gurgle and staggered back. I took off running. My sandals pounded the sand. I turned away from the water and headed to the trees. Sheena, did she get away too? I didn't dare look back until I reached the thicket of palm trees. I ducked into the shade, grabbed a tree trunk, and held on. I rested against the smooth bark, trying to catch my breath. Billy, don't stop, a hoarse voice said. Sheena, from behind another tree. Look, they're coming after us. She pointed through the trees. The pirates were staggering and limping and lurching toward us. I pushed myself off the trunk and leaned on the driftwood stick. We both took off, dodging through the thick grove, pushing ferns and vines out of our path. I could hear the grunts and groans of the pirates as they chased after us. Did they really think we had Captain Ben's treasure? Did they think we hid it somewhere on the island? Sheena, wait up, I called. I started to run, using the stick as a cane. Each step made my leg throb. But the undersea mutant doesn't know the meaning of the word pain, I declared. Would the undersea mutant run away from a bunch of ugly dead pirates? Of course he would! Beneath the twisting palm trees, the ground became soft and covered with a blanket of mossy leaves and needles. The air grew cooler as I ran into deep shadows. Breathing hard, I caught up with my sister. Ducking our heads under low vines, we ran deeper and deeper into the trees. Whoa! Stop! What is it? She asked breathlessly. I pointed to the ground. That's not a vine. That's a snake. I squinted at it, stretched out across the path. The snake was huge, at least four or five feet long. It had camouflaged itself, the same green-brown as the leaves on the ground. As we stared, it arched its body and raised its head, and without warning, attacked, snapping its fangs. I shoved the stick in front of it. The snake's jaws clamped down on the driftwood. I didn't think. My fright just made me act. I swung the stick high with the snake clamped onto it. The snake flew off and whipped high into the air. I didn't see it come down, but I heard it smack palm tree leaves behind us. Sheena spun around as if expecting the snake to come slithering back to us. Wow, she murmured. Billy, that was awesome. They call me the snake whisperer, I said. She didn't laugh. Shh, listen. I heard the grumbling of the pirates. Still following, they hadn't given up. They're close by, Sheena whispered. Maybe we can find those tall rocks, I said. They looked like a good hiding place. No! Sheena let out a cry as two men jumped out from the trees and blocked our path. You're not going anywhere, one of them said.